Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk, turning woodworkers into knitters since 2007. Here are your hosts, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's Wood Talk number 403 for July 31st, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about Sapelli working properties, veneering solid wood, two 20-volt extension cords, and ripping chain. Ripping chain. What's, what's a ripping is that chain? A, is that a euphemism? Ripping chain. <laughs> Matt Rips Chain. That's our show title right <laughs> yeah, there. I like that. Uh, I guess we'll find out what that is. We're not show that far yet. Here we are. <laughs> show title already. Yep, we'll, we'll find out what that is later. Uh, we'd like to thank some folks who helped us out over at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash woodtalk. Uh, let's see. So we have Joe Wilcox, Josh Duplin, Duplin, Art Sebelos, and Keith Decent. Decent. I'd like to, I, I, I see his name all the time. I never know how to pronounce his last name. I'm going to have to ask him. Uh, it's all. Something it's like all. that. So thank you so much for helping us out, uh-huh, you Frenchmen. And uh, we appreciate your support. We'll read your name and uh, I'll butcher the pronunciation at the top of the show. Uh, but we appreciate it either way. I'll, I'll butcher as best I can. I will do my best to make fun of it. And uh, oh, so we got a note on here. Follow our dumbasses on Instagram at Wood <laughs> Talk Show. <laughs> so, yeah, I started that Instagram thing, and it's really just for nonsense. There's just nothing else that we could possibly post there other than ridiculousness. So if you're into that kind of thing, you really should subscribe and follow us on Instagram. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Someday we might post something serious, so you might want to subscribe anyway, even if you're not into it. <laughs> that, that day you should start worrying about us. <laughs> yeah, True. really. I mean, because honestly, with our three individual feeds, like what else could we contribute with that other than ridiculousness <laughs> and stuff people really don't need to see? Basically humor and things you can't unsee. Yes, and uh, lots yeah. of great Photoshop work and really bad <laughs> Photoshop work, too. I've, I've got a whole queue of these things. Ready to post. That should be our new intro, a show that keeps Photoshop artists in in the green. 
Yes. Amateur Photoshop artists. Some of them are pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty true. bad. Um, we also have a quick announcement about the uh, summer vacation. If you've listened to the show for a long time, we typically uh, do take off at least a week or two or sometimes three in the summer, take a break and then start back uh, in the fall or September-ish right before fall. So that's what we're going to do. Just a heads up, next week is going to be our last show in August and then we will be returning on September 4th. So couple weeks off and we, a lot, there's a lot going on in August uh, for all of us. And it's just nice to take a little break so we can come back refreshed. And this whole two, what, two and a half shows a week. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of, that's a big, that's a pace. That's a pace to keep up with. So I think we could use pace. a little break. Oh, like I say, it's like a break. Like we're going to be sitting on our butts. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> It just means freeing up time to do things that we've been putting on the back burner. Like Matt coming out here for a week. You know, that's something that obviously, neither of us had time for in our schedule, but we're doing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so. We love you guys so much that, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the matter? We'll, we'll get together. We're, we're trying to get Shannon out here too. We don't know what he's going to do when he gets here, but we're, we're trying to, to figure out a way to make it happen. Well, I mean, who else is going to, how are we going to get our Duncan every day or multiple times <laughs> we, we a day? We do need Duncan runs. <laughs> uh, uh, Shannon? I would, I would travel to Colorado just to be the Duncan boy. I, I would do that. I'm running low the on coffee. The hard part would be getting me to leave, Mark. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. just one more day. Damn it, Shannon. I said day, no sugar. All right. Uh, so let's see. That's it. So look forward to not hearing us for a few weeks. I'm sure that'll be a, a nice, pleasant treat for some people. And let's get to what's on the bench. So, uh, so there's these chairs. And, uh, oh, are there? And I'm and I'm working on them, so that's still going on. And uh, the other, I guess, the only consequential thing. I mean, the chairs, it's fine. It's going at a slow pace, but it's still going. Uh, cool thing happened. Uh, you know, my son's five years old. He's going to be six in September. No, October. And I, I, he hasn't really gotten a whole lot of interest in the shop or building things. And I'm not rushing him. You know, it's like when when he's ready to to move from Lego to wood. <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll be here to embrace it and help him. Uh, so this past weekend, I was just doing some things in the shop. Uh, Ava was in, in bed already, and Nicole comes out here. We're all just kind of hanging out in the shop, which was kind of cool. And I had cleaned up, and I've got a bunch of cherry scraps from this chair project uh, of various sizes. So the first thing that I noticed that was hilarious as he realizes there's a really cool-looking piece of scrap in the garbage can, then he goes dumpster diving in my garbage can. <laughs> and I'm like, boy, you should start a YouTube channel. And um, it's a bad joke. Um, <laughs> Let's just hope that, that you're not peeing in your sawdust bucket. That's true. You down. never know. I might do worse than that. You just never know. <laughs> so, so he starts pulling all these pieces out. <laughs> and he goes, Dad, I need nails. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel a little bit ashamed that I actually don't have any. So I, I don't have any nails. So I'm like, I, I have screws, buddy. He's like, but I need nails. I'm like, well, but screws are better. He's like, no, I need nails. Go to Home Depot and get me nails. So he didn't say that, but I did go to Home Depot. I got him his own little. That would have been awesome if he'd said that. <laughs> he's not that far. Go to far Home Depot. <laughs> aisle nine in the back. Yeah, he's not that far off from saying that. I so, need some eight penny nails. <laughs> so I got him this little. Now. Uh, this little uh, plastic container of various size nails and brought those home and I just was showing him how to use a hammer and we started banging some pieces of uh, wood together and he made these little spaceships. Actually, they were quite big. Um, and then CA glue, you know, was all over the place because I'm trying to get things held together quickly. And uh, it was just fun. It, it was total woodworking nonsense, but the kid loved it, you know, so I'm hoping that that's the beginning of inspiring that sort of interest in what's going on in here other than dad just makes a lot of noise and dust uh, and actually getting involved. So that was pretty cool. It was just fun to uh, experience with him. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So that's 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 about it for me. What you got going on, Matt? I'm making a crosscut sled. Really? Yeah. It's 2017. Yeah. You realize that, right? Is, is it out of a slab? <laughs> live edge slab? Yeah, live oh, edge slab. Slab. It sled. probably should have been. I don't think. Oh, I already annoy the internet too much with my <laughs> excessive use of materials. That's true. That You're very most wasteful. people can't attain, but they literally grow on trees around here. Anyway, so I've had this. I've had this new table saw for like almost a year, and prior to that, like when I built my first crosscut sled for my other table saw, like changed my life, and like it became like a huge part of my workflow. And then, like, I haven't had one for almost a year, and it's been really annoying. So I'm like, yeah, I want to make some cross cuts, but I don't really feel like using the miter gauge or putting a fence on the miter gauge or like dragging my chops out. Mm-hmm. So I've been like trying to figure out ways to make all these like cross cuts for the last year without doing anything. So it's been like, just don't do any cross cuts or just <laughs> avoid it at all costs. Redesign really the project. <laughs> it's been really weird. Like, stop blocks and things hasn't been existing. It's been really goofy, mm-hmm. but. I guess that just shows like I haven't been doing any casework for a while, so I haven't really had to do a whole lot of stuff with the crosscut sled because the crosscut sled comes really handy for, you know, smaller parts or I don't know weird stuff like that where you're doing a lot of casework where you might have those smaller parts. But I've been making like I just made like two beds in a row and like you don't really need crosscut sled for that as much. I guess you find ways around it. You've been but making anyway. like like timber frame furniture. <laughs> lately so <laughs> right that place seems that way a lot of draw boring everything's draw board lately yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> so i'm doing that i'm making a little crosscut sled i'm making cool. it out of mdf making it as boring as possible because for some reason i don't really care to have like nice things for jigs and sleds and things mm-hmm. so like no t-track no nothing this mdf with some runners screwed to it and an mdf fence and a piece of scrap wood for back fence that's it yeah, I saw. Uh, I guess it might have been on Facebook. I think someone was asking you like about the bells and whistles, and you're like, "I'm I'm kind of going to be more of a minimalistic, <laughs> sim- simple guy on this one." You know, there's. I mean, I, I have nothing wrong with people with like little flip stops and the T track inside the thing to hold for hold downs or whatever. I'm like, I don't ever use that. I've never like felt like, man, I wish I had that. Mm-hmm. I've never felt that way. So I'm like, meh, 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 meh. Me get rid of some scrap MDF and uh, move on with my life. I'd rather be cross-cutting stuff than making a sled. Yeah. Mm. The only thing I think I would really get a lot of use out of is a stop. So if you had the T-track stop that you can just kind of engage and move from side to side, because I'm almost always grabbing uh, like a piece of scrap from somewhere in the shop and clamping it to the fence. Um, that's that, what I That's do. something I do a lot. So if I had a stop, that might be the only bell slash whistle that I, I could see putting into my crosscut slide that would be worth now if you had a stop like one of those like craig flip stops would you put a ruler on it no yeah no it's never i mean it's not, i'm never going to get that thing accurate enough to trust it anyway i'm going to grab my you know uh my, my ruler and just take a measurement directly from the workpiece and a blade and i don't, I, don't ever I remember trust one of the one of the first major like aftermarket upgrades i did in my shop was that craig track and flip stop mm-hmm. actually uh diami plotki has it now i sold it to him oh, really? <laughs> i started getting rid of when i got rid of the chop saw and everything i sold them the, the whole fence system and i remember spending hours calibrating it and getting the ruler like just right so that the blade came down right at the zero mark and everything and get everything lined up. And then I remember doing the first project I, I did on it and I never once like <laughs> did the measurements or I would like <laughs> take it out to like the 12 inch mark and then pull the ruler out and double check it like six times or whatever. I was just like, what was the point, man? Like who, who is going to actually trust? I did the same thing with my table saw. 
you know, and I had yeah. a great Wiesemeyer fence, and I always pulled out the ruler to check the distance between the fence and, you know, because what is the ruler set to, like, the carbide tooth or the plate, you know, on right. on that circular mm-hmm. saw, you know, because there's, there's a difference. And so you never know. You're always double-checking, and I always just thought, man, I just wasted, like, hours <laughs> of my life calibrating <laughs> that little peel-and-stick ruler. Yeah. I got that beautiful uh, Incra, you know, miter gauge deal, and it's got this wonderful little strip on the top that I've never even looked at. Yeah, as far as <laughs> it, whether it's, I have no idea if it works. It doesn't matter. It's just sometimes those rules. Just, uh, I'm gl- I mean, it seems we all agree. I wonder. I'd like to hear from people who are very into those. Whether it's like your table saw or <laughs> any other any other tool. If you really rely on a built-in measuring tool, and, and I like the table saw. Mine's pretty close. So if I'm getting close to something, but if it's, you know, if it's a really exact number, I'm going to get it close using that, but then I'm going to take the ruler out and check it. Like I will never rely on that for absolute accuracy. I think there's an opportunity there for a new product. Like think like Apple's, what is that thing called? The smart bar or power bar or whatever at the top of their, uh, oh, yes. their uh, yep. power max um, yep. or, or some sort of like peel and stick inspirational quote sticker or, <laughs> you know, get your favorite wood talk intros and you could just like put that over top of the track, you know, cause you don't need the ruler anymore, but you have something there that you can look down and go, Oh yeah. I remember the time that Matt ripped chain. Ha ha ha. Move on with your work. You know? No, we just, I think we just market some stickers for wood talk and it just would have the, the wood talk logo repeatedly, you know, over, right. over like 48 yeah, specifically inches. Specifically meant to fit in that little yes. T track. There you go. All right. We just came up with a new market. product. People idea. love stickers. Love it. <laughs> I put on my stuff. Good advertising for the show. That's right. Yeah. All right. Shannon, what do you got going on? Notice the Macromona shirt in the background there. Boom. Yeah. Um, strategically placed. Week. I sold a shirt last week. Hey. During the show. Really? <laughs> During you know the what? show. Nice. <laughs> uh, what do I got going on? Well, this, um, <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> just a little subliminal message. It's fine. Okay. Go on. <laughs> Audio show, guys. Audio oh, show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, sorry. <laughs> For those of you listening, Mark just dropped his shorts. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. That does uh-huh. help me sell a lot of books. <laughs> Actually, yeah, the fact that he had shorts on was a big change. Yeah. Um, so we, we talked about this whole uh, summer hiatus, I think, as Vanderlust used to call it. Um, and and the, the joke about we're not really taking a vacation. I will be at my main home mm. and um, I will be filming a lot of stuff for my prequel semester here. So I've been basically I, I came into the wood shop yesterday with my laptop. Because I felt like I missed my shop. Like I wanted to just be in the shop, even though I had all this computer work to do. Just to hang so, out there. So like I sat at the, at the workbench with my laptop and did SketchUp models. And it just further strengthens my uh, ass- assumption or my my realization that SketchUp is a vid- uh, woodworking video game. <laughs> because, you know, it, it was kind of like my fix. Like I wanted to get in the shop and do some stuff, but it just it, – it, didn't make sense because there's there's no time to get started on a project before I go away and I've got this other stuff I need to prepare for. So I built stuff in SketchUp and it was actually a, really a lot of fun. So I can understand I've always been kind of a minimalist. I use SketchUp just to kind of mock up proportions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've never really gone so far as to add in a bunch of joiner and maybe a mortise and tenon there and there, but definitely not like dovetails because that's just a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Even when you know like the repeating shortcuts and stuff, it's still a lot of work to put dovetails in SketchUp. And I like I went like all out here. I added joinery in on the little things that I'm doing. I started like coloring them wood grain and just having a lot of fun with it. And it was it was that same type of feeling of like 
playing like a flight simulator or like like a Sims type game. Yeah. You know, here I am engineering this piece of of, of um, well furniture, I guess would be the best word for it. It was a lot of fun though, but you know, I got that done. But it brings up a point that I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of seeking some kickback here. Um, I'm doing this semester specifically to be like a total bare bones entry point because I've been hearing from so many people who, you know, they want to get into this, but they have no idea. They don't have any tools whatsoever. And I've been hearing from a lot of people that you want like the wood to be as accessible as possible. And since we three are the quote average woodworker who have <laughs> of bandsaw we mills and <laughs> work at a huge lumber importer. And well, I guess uh, again, Mark is the average woodworker in this situation. I am the most average, you guys. You guys but, suck. You know, I'm, I'm really hesitant to... The, one of the projects I'm going to be building just using big box like construction lumber. But the others, I really want to go with hardwood because just from a durability perspective. And I keep hearing people like the, the, the little... The, the average woodworker voice in the back of my head going, you want to make it accessible. You want to make sure it's something you can get at a big box store or whatever. And the more I think about it, the more I want to get away from softwood as soon as possible because I just feel like it's such... Softwood is such a pain in the butt, man. I mean, there is good quality softwood, but the mm-hmm. only place you can get that, like if if sourcing is a problem, like I don't have a lumber near me, you're not going to get good quality softwood. Like fine rough sawn eastern white pine or Alaskan yellow cedar or even like Douglas fir, that it's at a specialty lumber yard. So when you're thinking softwood, you're talking like Home Depot, Lowe's, pine, maybe cedar. And the stuff is just a royal pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. And I was reminded of that building that workbench um, earlier this this summer. Like doing a simple like chopping on a notch, you know, saw the two ends, put the chisel in the middle, give it a whack and it should just pop away cleanly. No, it doesn't (laughs) because there's all this knots and like twisted grain and crap and like Mm -hmm. chopping out a simple like two inch wide, one inch deep notch should take seconds with a chisel and a saw. And it took me like 20 minutes because the grain was so interlocked and messed up and and it, it was really, really frustrating. And I remember thinking, man. Softwoods suck. That and the fact that they're super soft and like for for hand tools. So, you know, it's funny because I'm I'm designing this semester to be approachable and I feel like I'm going the other direction. Like you should get away from the big box store as soon as possible or at least become super, super picky when you're in the big box store. And it's not certainly there's a price tag issue for everybody. You know, lumber is expensive. There's no question. But I feel like, man, the the heartache that comes from buying cheap lumber is not worth it. And in the long run, like the 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 more you expect of your skills, the more you're going to be hindered by crappy wood. Yeah. So anyway, I just I'd be curious specifically to hear from the audience about people who don't have lumber options. You know, Matt's got a lumber yard in his backyard. Mark, I I know your market. You've got some really nice lumber yards nearby. I've got what twelve. <laughs> 12 Ooh. lumber yards. Mark, can we go to a lumber yard when I'm there? Yeah, you want to see what please? one looks like? Pretty please. Yeah, I'll, yeah, ta- you I'll take you. I'll show you, one. I'll show you what it looks like. Take, <laughs> Matt will walk through that slab place. with his nose <laughs> in the air. Oh, yeah, I'll take you to, to <laughs> CS Woods. Oh, man. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you just be like, Psh, amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I would love to hear from the people who don't have those wood sourcing options. Where do you get your lumber? Like, 
because some of these smaller projects, I think, well, I can just run out to the dumpster and pick it up. But <laughs> don't you know, say that, Shannon. But, you but, get so much crap for that one. <laughs> but in addition to that, there are cabinet shops all over the place that have dumpsters that have like one foot cutoffs, two foot cutoffs. Um, there's all kinds of stuff like that. Just find find a local contractor, specifically like a local cabinet shop. Now you're going to find a lot of plywood, but a lot of those face frames and door parts are solid wood. So you've got all kinds of little cutoffs. So if you're making, like, say you're making a marking gauge or a bench hook or something like that, just getting started, there's all kinds of sources for that. And you don't have to go to Home Depot and buy their super fast, quote, kiln dried wood Mm -hmm. and end up with really nasty stuff. So I don't know, maybe again, because I'm spoiled working at a a lumber yard, maybe I'm just fooling myself. So I would seriously love to hear from people who are wood poor and don't have wood options. What do you do? Certainly the internet is an option, um, but I'd be curious to hear less about the internet options because I know about those for the most part and how, who you're, who you're getting your stuff from non-traditional sources more Hmm. importantly. Interesting question. Yeah. They're they're probably getting them from pallets and from uh, repurposed (laughs) stuff. You know, like if you don't have a choice, what are you going to do? That's a legitimate source. There's a heck of a lot of work usually that has to happen to get it. You know, a lot of times it's really, really thin, but hey, why not? It's wood. Okay. (laughs) So let's get to uh, what's new. I actually, (laughs) I have a uh, a cool new saw waiting for me uh, because one thing I am is saw rich. I may not be lumber rich, (laughs) rich. but I'm saw rich. I have more, (laughs) more miter saws than I know what to do with. Okay, so Makita came out with a new sliding compound miter saw. Uh, some, I don't know exactly when it was released, but it's just kind of gaining steam uh, at this point. And what makes it interesting is the dust collection. They've redesigned something with the, the way the, the rail works, so it's a little bit more lower profile. And clearly one of those that's trying to sort of be a little bit more of a, a contender against like the Capex. And one of the, the best things about the Capex is it's just out of the box. Dust collection is fantastic and no other saw can really touch that. Well, I've seen some demos and I wanted to see for myself because the demos looked really good and like it looked as good as the dust collection you get on a uh, Festool Capex. So uh, I already had a Makita saw, which I actually just sold. And that was a really interesting process because I was, I was listening to, oh, what the hell was it? Um, what the heck was it? Sorry. Getting, getting a little fast and loose with the language here. Uh, <laughs> Modern Maker podcast, I believe it was. And I think, uh, Chris had mentioned that he sold a workbench using Facebook classifieds and I've seen the classified thing in, in my app and I'm like, ah, I, I hate Craigslist. Maybe, maybe this will be a little bit better. So I tried it and you know, within a few hours I had someone local here in Colorado to come out and buy this miter saw. Cause I had to make way for the new one coming in today and it, it sold so quickly. I was like, okay, that was easy. And the person who bought it had a profile and I kind of, I should probably warn them. They should probably lock it down because their profile was kind of like wide open. But the fact that it was wide open, I could see where it was a, a, a girl who contacted me. I could see where she worked. I could see that they verified that they are in this area. And it just gave me a little bit more um, of a sort of a comfort level to go through with this transaction. On Craigslist, every person I talk to makes me feel like running away and hiding. Um, I am very uncomfortable with that. So anyway, just total aside, if you, you know, try to use that, I'm curious if you guys have similar experiences, but it was actually a really good selling experience. So anyway, uh, this new Makita just arrived. FedEx guy just dropped it off. I had to sign for it, but it's the LS1019L. 
and it pretty much is like the old one, just with these two new changes to it. So I'm super excited because honestly, the only thing that's gotten me thinking I really do miss that Capex is that dust collection. I really want good dust collection on a miter saw. So hopefully this will fit the bill. So I'll, which I'll keep you guys you, which, which saws do you have right now? Right now, well, because I just sold one, so I'm down. Yeah. I'm down to two. I've got the Bosch Glide <laughs> and this new Makita. <laughs> I almost had three. If I didn't sell that other one, I would have had three. I do it for the people, you know. This this is not about me, Matt. I do it for the public hey, at large. I was curious because maybe I want to do my own shootout. I don't know. <laughs> you you want to just actually when you come here, I'll set up the second miter saw. You could have your own. How's that? Oh, perfect. <laughs> we each have our own miter saw. We can race. Oh, that, wow. sounds, that sounds safe. Let's try that, that. That just sounds wonderful for a live um, Friday live, some sort of like miter saw race. So, a yeah. chop off, we'll <laughs> call it. <clears throat> or I can just picture Mark with a tin cup sitting behind his army of miter saws just clanging and nobody knows <laughs> what trouble I see. I only have three miter saws. Yeah, there's no shortage of, of miter saws during, in my life. During Friday Live, I'll be doing like longevity testing, like see how many cuts I can make before a saw kills itself. I was still cutting. Don't mind Matt in the corner. He's just like, testing the saw. just running see, some like, tests. Over in the background, like slightly off camera, so you just like see his elbow like going up and down. We're going to have to reposition. Hey, keep it down over there, Kimona. Yeah, we're going to reposition the shot so you could just see Matt working in the background and us doing the show in the foreground. That would be good. But anyway, uh, occasionally, so uh, occasionally throw stuff at him faster, faster. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. Word of warning. If you do buy this thing, I uh, initially bought it on Amazon and it was like a four week wait to get it. While I was waiting, I decided to go check out some other vendors. Cause I'm like, that's stupid. Why don't, why don't I just look around? I never think to do that. I kind of shop almost exclusively in Amazon and I probably pay more for things and, and wait longer for some things. So I think it was, I believe it was Acme tools. They had the same saw. It was like 50 bucks cheaper and they had it in stock. So I canceled the Amazon order and got it from uh, Acme Tools instead. And it's here today. So uh, good stuff. So just, you know, don't assume Amazon has everything and has the lowest price because a lot of times they don't. How how that has changed. Like, right. This is the, the company that invented like, you know, next day shipping for free. And now it's not always the fastest place. And yeah, it's weird. It's crazy. I was really surprised. I mean, uh, and it's not just a little bit cheaper. I think it was like a solid 50 bucks cheaper and still wow. free shipping. So couldn't beat that. Hmm. That's nuts. Well, speaking of having too many saws, I have too many saws and yet I just bought another one. Um, and you make fun of me. I, I, I hinted at this last week. It was still not in the news, but I think officially as of today, if not today, tomorrow, Bad Axe Toolworks is now selling hand saws, uh, full size, 26 inch or 24 inch panel saws. And this is, this is just exciting just because I get, I get this question all the time. Um, certainly there are a lot of great vintage saws. All I have are, are vintage saws and, you know, but that can be really daunting. It'd be really scary to kind of restore it. There's certainly people who will do the restore for you, but like all the vintage hand tool markets, things have gotten really expensive and difficult to find. You know, you, you can't just go out and pick up a jack plane for a song anymore. They've gotten more expensive. Saws have gotten even more expensive. And for the same reason that companies like Veritas and Lee Nielsen are doing so well is because you can, you can buy something. Yes, it costs a pretty penny, but you know I'm getting something that pretty much is ready to go out of the box. I know I don't have to worry about any of this fiddling and fettling of, of a plane or a sole or blades or any of that stuff. And for saws, which still the sharpening and tuning of them is still a very scary subject for a lot of people. 
this is huge. Like there is no one making a quality handsaw right now. There's there are some companies. I shouldn't say that. There's nobody in North America. There's a couple guys in Great Britain doing it, but even then, like the pack saws and stuff like that that you can get through Woodcraft or, or Lee Valley, they're just not up to snuff. So now we've got somebody who's doing it. Um, it's expensive, folks. I think it starts at three seventy five. Four hundred. Oh, geez. So oh, it's my. very expensive. How, don't, how don't. many horsepower is it? One fifteenth. <laughs> the, the average human is one fifteenth horsepower. If so I'm going to spend that much money on a saw. It better have a motor. But you know, in typical bad axe <laughs> fashion, it's full of bling. You know, you yeah. can choose your saw jewelry however you want, whatever saw uh, handle species, thumb hole grip, you know, all the fun stuff on it. But so it's just, it's exciting. And if anybody is not aware, the whole idea of taper grinding a blade is incredibly difficult. It was, you know, commonplace back when people were producing saws all the time. We have just lost that, that skill, that mm-hmm. the machinery even to do that. So it's one of the reasons you haven't seen companies like, you know, Lee Nielsen jump into it whole hog because it's like a major retooling in order to make it happen. And Mark Carroll at Bad Axe, it's been like six or seven years that he's been trying to figure out how to do this in a somewhat affordable method because I've been, I've been bugging him for six or seven years saying, you're missing out, man. This is a market you need to tap into. And he's finally done it. So it's exciting. Even more exciting is maybe like, some other people will come along soon enough and we'll have some options um, in the market. Oh, I hope so. Mark's going to send me hate mail for saying that. <laughs> I, I so hope so. No, that's cool. It's always good to see this stuff. So this, this grind you're talking about, does that, mm-hmm. is that something that people are familiar with for sharpening or does it make it more difficult to sharpen or? No, no, it's, it's what, what it comes down to is the back or the, the, the back of the saw is slightly thinner than the tooth line. So the saw doesn't bind in the cut. Okay. Um, and certainly you can work with a non-taper ground saw, but you have to have a wider set on the teeth in order to compensate for that. Um, and there's there's also, like, if you've worked with a non-taper ground saw and a taper ground saw, there's a significant weight difference. Um, the saw is not quite as flexible. Um, it can actually bend and kink a little bit more with that extra steel at the back. So mm-hmm. it's kind of an essential thing. And when you look at like the vintage saws that perform well, that's one of the things that makes them perform well is that, that taper grind, but you're talking about removing a hell of a lot of steel, you know, taper the entire breadth of a saw. The saw plate is, you know, four or five inches across and you've got to do a consistent taper because if it's inconsistent, then you'll get the saw like bending funny. Um, so there, there's a significant amount of machining that has to happen in there and the tooling just kind of went extinct, you know? So you had to like dig around in the back of like Matt's backyard and hope to find it like under a cinder block somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of backyard do you think I have? Sanford and son. Sanford and son. Come on. We've discussed this already. <laughs> So anyway, I don't know. I'm excited. Chance cool. all people out there. At least we finally have a place that I can point you to. Yeah. You're going to be very sad when you see the price. You know, you're going to cry and whine. But so, you know, which one should I buy? Uh, you get that question quite a bit. Like if you're oh, yeah, it's a good question, if you're like, like a, a marker, a me kind of woodworker, would this benefit anything or would any of these uh, crosscut saw or like a rip saw help for any reason other than it's fun? No, no. I mean, even even the hybrid, like (laughs) one of the things that I always tell even the hybrid guys is having your crosscut saw around is great for like breaking down roughs on stock. 
like cutting it to length or like keeping it in the car to cut down like the lumberyard stuff to fit in the car. But you can go and buy like a Stanley Fat Max saw for 10 bucks at the hardware store and do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is, you may find some uses as a hybrid woodworker, but then you'd be talking about a crosscut saw. You're not going to probably be doing a lot of ripping work. Um, you know, if you're using like a jigsaw to break down your rough sawn lumber to length, this actually could be good for you because it would probably do it faster than a jigsaw in many instances. Um, but it feels like a waste, though, to spend that much money to do rough cuts. Exactly. Yeah, there's something, there's <laughs> yeah. something to be said about that. This is this is catering to the the hand tool guys. Yeah, but there are there are a lot of us, and we're getting stronger every day. The more we saw, the stronger, the, the bigger your arms get. <laughs> yeah. You know what? The, it's such a waste of money. All I can, I just got myself a sheet of steel and an angle grinder, and I can make my own. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the angle grinder is so important to all tool making. Uh, I should really buy one. Yeah, you really should. You're missing out. Treadle-powered okay. angle grinder. <laughs> so, oh, man. Let's move off of that. I know what I'm saying one? Shannon for Christmas this year. An angle Pretty grinder? Angle grinder. Angle grinder. Yeah. <laughs> Can't, t- can't wait to see what uh, it is. I'll show you where to plug it in, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. boy. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Please, quickly. As, if you heard the intro to our show, we, we uh, revisited the whole knitter feud. And uh, Nathan's helping us here by sending us a story about the dark and seedy underbelly of the criminal knitting world. Um, this is a story of a, uh, a knitting-related website that is selling knitting plans that apparently have been pirated. It's like the Napster of knitting. <laughs> It's like the Ted's. The Ted. Ted's knitting Ted's. plans. Oh. I went further back and went to Napster. Sorry. Ted's, Ted's patterns. That was before Cremona was even born. He doesn't even know what that is. It's true. But no, you know, there, there's, some, there's some merit to this when we talk about Ted's is a good example or just woodworking designs in general. Um, it's just interesting to read this, though, because there's like – I guess it's the same way when non-woodworkers were to listen to this show and you talk about like woodworking forums and the, the mm-hmm. clicks and like the, 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 the schisms between woodworking forums. Apparently there's like the fashion or the knitting fashionistas and things like that. The different forums they talk about in this article, it's kind of funny to hear. But anyway, those knitters, there's some seedy people. Gotta watch gotta out. Look out. <laughs> there's, there's times I'll tell a story about something online to like my neighbor and they find it like utterly hilarious that people oh, yeah. get this uptight about woodworking topics. So it's exactly the same thing. It just depends on which niche you're in. Anyone else, you know, getting uptight about this stuff is hilarious. Uh, but when you're in it, it somehow <laughs> seems meaningful, I guess. <laughs> you know? yep. It's ridiculous. Okay, let's get to our kickback today. We've got two voicemail kickbacks. The first one here is from Billy. Billy's disappointed. Hey guys, this is Billy Newton from McComb, Michigan, and I have some kickback for episode 401 regarding the Traxall conversation. As a Patreon supporter, I was excited to see that the episode was posted in my feed. I did exactly what I was supposed to do as a supporter. I stopped all productivity at work in order to listen to it immediately. (laughs) I was excited that you were going to talk about Traxalls because I'm in the market to buy one, and I was looking at the Triton. Uh, with the major factor being that I can get the saw, the tracks, the accessories for all about half the price of the Festool TS-55. And I figured that since Matt was a Triton sellout, that we'd be able to get some good information on the Triton version. And I was hoping that you would discuss how good the various track saws work, do they operate smoothly, uh, what should one look for when buying a track saw, 
Uh, how are the accessories and the jigs for cutting 90 degrees and other angles? Instead, the conversation basically went along the lines of, buy a Festool, and Matt has hairy legs. <laughs> I really don't think that we did the topic justice, and I, I just think we could do better. I mean, how hairy of a pair of legs are we really talking here? You know, Matt's pretty skinny from burning calories lifting all those slabs. Are we talking like tarantula legs? <laughs> Maybe you can post a picture on the Wood Talk Instagram feed so we can properly assess this. Just trying to provide some constructive criticism because, you know, I just think that we can do better. Thanks, guys. I'm, uh, I'm down with that. If you want to do a uh, little picture of your legs or something, send that to me, Matt. We could post that on Instagram and sure, let, the, let the debate ensue. In fact, I'll take a picture of my leg and we can do a little hairy comparison. Whose who's legs are whose? Yeah, there you go. We'll just have people guess. <laughs> well, at, at the risk of being the oldest guy in the room, the risk, the risk, it's a, it's kind well, of a and, fact. And, and being, fact. <laughs> being, being the buzzkill here, Billy's got a point. <laughs> Sometimes we get a little too carried away with the jokes and maybe we need to answer our questions a little bit more. Shut up. I'm the unpopular opinion here, but wah, wah. You know, there was a time when we used to offer woodworking advice on this show. No, you know, no, here's what happened people. on that one. If I remember correctly, it was just my email question. So it wasn't like we were all talking about track saws. I was just giving my opinion and that's why it, focused on Festool and we didn't even talk about Triton because it wasn't Matt's question. But you know, Matt, so actually Matt Matt's could have a sell out in reverse. He sold out his sponsor by not like by not, not defending them. Up. Well, Hey, let's, oh. let's, let's make As up usual, for this. I blame Matt. Let's make up for this right my now. I job to force my sponsor's products on your throat every day. So Matt, don't you, don't Shannon, you read your YouTube comments, Matt? Shannon, That's what you're supposed to do. Get rid of all your tools. You should have all <laughs> Triton tools in there. All Stop trying to sell me fancy hand saws when the Triton jigsaw will do exactly the same thing. For like what, half the price? Probably. Yes. Yeah. Actually, yes. <laughs> I think it would be. Less than half the price. That, that color looks so bad on me. I don't know. <laughs> Orange doesn't go good with your uh, lights that you have in the ceiling there. Um, so, Matt, real quick, and this is yes. serious, have you used the, the Triton track saw system? Yes, yeah, one of the tools I use quite a bit because I've always used the track saw fairly frequently. Mm-hmm. So do you like it? It cuts straight lines. I had the TS55 before that. That yeah. cuts straight lines as well. Pretty comparable just in terms of what you expect it to do? Yeah, exactly. It's, as far as I'm concerned, the stuff that I do, I'm not on a job site every day. The things that are important to me is does it stay on the track? Does it cut the straight line? Mm-hmm. Does the track move when you're sawing or whatever? And it does all those things. It's fine. You know, still cutting straight lines. Still doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Power is fine. I think the depth of cut is actually just a little bit deeper on the Triton than on the Festool. So that's kind of nice for the stuff I do. It'll actually go over, I think it's two and an eighth for the depth of cut. When the the Festool is one and 15 sixteenths, I think, something like that. So the extra depth of cut is kind of a nice little bonus feature. Uh, I don't know. The only thing I I don't like about it is the the dust thing doesn't swivel. I thought you were going to say, the only thing I don't like about it is it's just too easy to use. It's just so easy. <laughs> I feel like I'm cheating all the like time. Like the guy at the, jo- the job interview, you know, is like, well, you know what? My, my biggest downfall is I care too much. Yeah, <laughs> I work too hard. <laughs> I'm just a hard worker and it's, it's a problem for me. Okay, well, that's good. Well, see, I, well, I thought, uh, do, oh. do you guys find yourself using a track saw in like... Anything other than cutting a straight line, like breaking down sheet goods and stuff. I mean, like curves. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he, quite he's often talking about like the jigs and the stops and the other kind of oh. 
other uses. And I mean, I, I have a track saw, by the way. It's, it's used specifically to break down plywood. And mm-hmm. all I'm doing is cutting a straight line with it. I would never think to do anything else with it because I've got other tools that I would do that for. But there's no question that a circular saw can actually be much more of a utility player. I mean, it's essentially, it's it's a circular blade, right? It's a table saw, just flip the other way around. And mm-hmm. you could do some other stuff with it. Man, I just I wonder. make cove molding with your track saw. Yeah. Oh, that'd well. be nice. Let's do it. Some That sounds like something uh, Izzy Swan would do. <laughs> but like, I've never even made an angled cut with my with my track saw. It's always just been literally throw the track down, cut a sheet mm. good, you know, from a four by eight into a four by four. I, I just did that on the bed swing. I had those little little chamfers on the bottom edges of the um the long rails just to give a little bit of lift on the corners there. Mm-hmm. I just clipped those off of the track saw. I put the track right on there and just clipped them right off. So that's kind of like an angled cut in a sense. Kind of like you know, I, I mean, the... it's still it's still a straight cut, but it's at an angle. Right. That that that's an angle cut. It's not kind of like it. it oh. is. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the tricky degrees? part, though, no. tricky part now is that the market is it's sort of um, it's not what it used to be. There are multiple competitors in this space and they all make decent products because ultimately it's not that difficult to get a saw to glide down a track. Right. It's not that hard. So there's a lot of different competitors. And I don't think the I don't think there's that much of a gap between these. You know, as long as you avoid something that's absolutely bottom dollar, you're probably going to get a decent system that's going to work just fine. Especially if that's what you're doing. As far as accessories go, I don't, I don't use anything. I, I think, throw the the thing down. I think down there and go. is a a very very strong, we'll call it the the mark need, the need to have tools match. What? I think there is an incredible. <laughs> I think the tool companies the bus? really oh. rely upon that. Don't bring me you know? into your metaphors. Oh. Well, I mean, you think about it. Festool <laughs> Festool was the place to be for a long long time, yeah. and then. Wasn't there like a patent expired or something like that? And then Grizzly came out with a track saw and then suddenly DeWalt had one. And people kept buying Festool because they wanted to be matchy-matchy, you know? And likewise, everybody wants the DeWalt yellow. Everybody wants the Mm -hmm. Makita blue-green, whatever we call that, blue. I don't know. Aqua, teal. And then Ryobi like threw a monkey wrench and things and went from blue to that chartreuse thing. (laughs) But how many people went out and immediately bought other chartreuse Ryobi tools because they have <laughs> the matchy matchy color scheme, you know? Yeah. Well, there's no it's doubt. I think uh, need. It, when it comes to Festool, I've, I've always said this, there are game changer <laughs> tools that they have. And then there are ones that are just really good versions of that and not game changers. And the TS saws used to be the game changer tool and they're not anymore because the market has changed. And now there's fewer game changers in that lineup, you know? So I don't, it's just not what it used to be because the market has changed. Okay. What do we have next? Next one is from Mike. Another voicemail, and uh, actually, I'm not quite sure what Mike wants. Oh, good. Hi, Mark, Shannon, Matt. Just wanted to say I really enjoy your show, um, particularly last week's show. I believe it was episode 401. That was that was great, and the, uh, the viewer comments, the kickbacks. I I don't. How do you compete with that? I mean. The bar has been set so unbelievably high. A guy like me, that's it. I'm giving away all my tools. I'm done with this stupid wood. Calm. I do happy. Okay, guys, sorry about that. Just need to take a couple deep breaths. Go watch my blood pressure. All right. I'm a fighter. I'm a survivor. I know what I need to do. I'm going to go work on my audition tape. 
with any luck, I'll get back to you soon. Thanks, guys. I wonder if I should hire a ghostwriter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, wow. It's really weird. I don't think he needs to hire a ghostwriter. I think he could do the writing. He just has to get someone to do the acting. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that was interesting. Thanks for that, Mike. I had to play it. All right. Uh, what do we have next here? Okay, so we're done with the voicemail kickbacks. Uh, let's see. I just wanted to put this one in there because it's not really a kickback per se. But So I did some sharpening this weekend. And uh, in fact, I was sharpening my scrapers. And I haven't – a lot of them, I actually think I have three new ones. So I wanted to work the faces of them. So I'm, I'm actually removing a lot of material trying to get them nice and flat. And uh, I, I do the work on my bench. I've always done it on my workbench. And it was just hilariously timed because last week, if you remember – Shannon says never in his list of nevers was never to sharpen on your primary woodworking bench. And meanwhile, I have black stains over the entire center of my Rubo. Uh, so I took pictures of it and put it out there and everyone's like, Oh, you don't listen to Shannon. And I was like, that's right. I don't <laughs> to heck with him and his opinions. It's a common affliction around here. <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. That's my kickback to Shannon is, uh, you give me advice. I don't take it. I go the other way. <laughs> I go the exact opposite. <laughs> but yeah, it was good. Fun sharpening stuff. Actually, it wasn't fun at all. Okay. <laughs> Not at all. All right. This next kickback comes from Andrew. <clears throat> he says, I know that Mark said the table saw is the one tool he couldn't be without, but I would have to say the router would be mine. You can, with jigs and bits, flatten, cut, trim, joint, and shape any boards. You can dado, rabbit, dovetail, box joint, mortise, and tenon, and the list goes on. <laughs> but that said... You're not wrong. It's just, well, I'm right. Thanks for the great show, guys. As a listener from the tip of Africa. And his opening intro suggestion is, here's three guys, one with a beard, one without, and one with a mop on his head, but his wife likes it and she pays the bills. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's probably my favorite one. I like that one. It's very good. Although sometimes two of us have a beard. It's not quite accurate. That's true. That's true. It is. Ah, okay. Party's over. Time for Matt to read one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is from Tommaso. About last week's... uh, Wow, I'm already screwing this one up. About last episode, question on combo jointer planer machines. If it's a matter of budget, wouldn't it be better to spend $500 on a bench shop 12-inch planer and learn how to flatten a board using it, like uh, through hand plan preparation or a planer sled? Pretty sure the old Bino Gorilla is with me on this one. What say you, Shannon? <laughs> <laughs> is this something you typically do? No, I, I don't need to restate simple fact. I mean, <laughs> it's the truth. If you, you know, want to be a good no person. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I, I think Tommaso is absolutely right. I think that money is better spent on a decent planer. Find other ways yeah. to get that first flat face. You'll be a happier person and a better person. Frankly. Yeah, because I mean, how flat does it really have to be? Just Frankly. so it doesn't rock on the bed of the planer, right? It's, it's good to flat. go. It's like we say, it's got to be hand tool flat, right? Yeah, tool exactly. flat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good stuff. Uh, let's see, we got a voicemail question now. This is from Matt. Uh, where the heck is it? I think I closed the file. Hold on, talk amongst yourselves. So, uh, Matt, do you often call into the show and leave voicemails, Matt? Oh, constantly. But, they finally get played, though, I see. Yeah, well, they go into their own file. Oh, you know, there's oh, okay. Matt file. Here it is. Question from Matt. 
Hey guys, this is Matt from Maryland. I sent an uh, email question a week or so ago. Um, didn't get it uh, played on air, and I really appreciate your advice. So you suggested anybody who has an accent could uh, leave a voicemail, and it will always get played. <laughs> and I guess you guys figure out an accent, so here goes. Um, I'm looking to build a table, a small occasional table out of Sapili, and I want to put a um, quilted maple veneer on the top of the table and on the front of the drawer, the uh, single drawer that's underneath the table. Everything I see says don't veneer onto solid wood. Um, I would like to keep the sapili there because I want to keep the sapili edges. I want to have a little bit of the underside of the sapili showing. Um, so I was really just looking to lay the, uh, the maple veneer on the top. So the questions are, A, am I just crazy? Uh, should I just stick with a plywood and try and put some edge banding on it, which is not my first choice? Uh, if I go with the uh, the Sapili, do I need to put a, a backing veneer uh, underneath? How do I uh, make sure the thing isn't going to go crazy on me over time? Uh, warp or pull? Uh, I hear crazy stories of what veneer can do to solid wood. So uh, having never done it before, I want to give it a shot. And I really appreciate your guys' uh, opinion on the best path forward. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. What do you guys think? I've seen many, 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 many quote masterpieces in museums with veneer over top of solid wood. Yep. And I've also seen some cracks in the veneer over top of that solid wood because things have moved around on it and it still looks pretty awesome. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's against the, the modern perfection that we aim for, but I don't really see a problem with it. I mean, the wood's going to move underneath. I think if the, um, what do you say? Quilted maple. I mean, yeah. it sounds sounds pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the the overall effect is going to be really cool looking, I think a lot of people won't even notice if there's a, a check that happens on the top. Plus, if you finish it well, you you know you don't constrict the movement of the top underneath it, the substrate. You'll follow good business or business practices. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> follow good building practices. Write your business plan. Follow first. good business practices as well. Yeah. Make sure you, you know, Pay your taxes. hold the right amount. And yeah. Um, and then and you think about the climate controlled nature of our homes today, there's a lot less movement going on. You might be surprised at how well that does. I mean, those same pieces I talk about in the museums that have cracked. They probably did not crack while they were in the museum. They cracked, you know, 100 years ago um, because of the unclimate controlled nature of it. So I would say go for it. Don't overthink it. Mm hmm. It's nothing worse than a 100 year old crack. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Matt, you're disgusting. Stop. All right. What's uh, the, where, where are we? I just lost track. Okay. I'm over here laughing. Don't worry about <laughs> okay. me. Okay. So if you want to send us a voicemail, use your voice memo app on your mobile device and send that to Wood Talk Online at gmail.com. And now it's time for this. Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. It's been a while. What do you got for us, Shannon? Love that. It's the best. It makes me so happy to hear that. (laughs) Best $5 I ever spent. (laughs) All right. Um, it's an interesting little thing going on in the African hardwood market. We talked about African mahogany last time. I want to talk specifically about Sapili because I've had a few people write in and say, what's the deal with Sapili? Um, it's gotten really What's the cheap. deal? <laughs> what's what Sapili? Is, what is it? 
<laughs> what is it? Yeah. Um, several people have noticed that the price has started to plummet. Um, if you haven't seen it in your neck of the woods, it will be coming soon enough. And there's an interesting thing that will happen sometimes, I think, actually, in any commodities industry. But what has happened is a broker, somebody who's not really specialized in lumber, not done any kind of lumber buying before, just thought, hey, there might be something, some money to be made in this African hardwood market. So they brought in their outside investor money and bought a sizable percentage of the global supply of Sapili all at once. And basically corner the market. And they are now trying to offload that material and they're doing it at just a ridiculously low price. And this is what happens when you get a broker who really doesn't have any of the overhead. They're not doing any of the drying. They're not dealing with the storage of the material. It's it's sight unseen. They've gone to Africa, probably to Ghana or the Cameroon, and they bought it directly from a sawmill bought the entire thing. Like, how much do you have in stock? Oh, we've got 45,000 board feet. I'll take it. And then they call the next guy. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of board feet of Sapili that's been bought up by a broker with no skin in the game whatsoever and is now flooding the market all at once. And basically, you know, with that kind of volume, if you can make pennies per board foot, it's a profit because that's that's all this. You think about like day trading. You know, there's, there's no skin in the game whatsoever. You just buy low, sell high. You know, and if you if you make couple pennies on the stock, you made money and you move on. And it is completely screwing with the, not just the Sapili market, but the entire African hardwood market, because it's a very tight kind of bottleneck. All this lumber comes into just a couple of ports and is all shipped out to that one port. Well, this broker essentially has completely clogged those ports with huge container ships of Sapili all coming out at the same time. Now it's hitting our shores and, you know, it's going for like $4 a board foot lower than what the market is actually calling for. So you're finding a lot of people who are starting to adjust their price to try to be competitive, but there's only so far you can go. More importantly, we're seeing a lot of people now, some of that sight unseen Sapili is starting to come back. Like this stuff is crap. You know, <laughs> it's dried not at all or dried to European standards and wasn't air dried and then re-kiln dried to North American standards, which, if you don't know, is is a good 4 to 6% moisture content lower um, than, than the European standards. So there's all kinds of stuff. There's no grade on this material, but it's all being sold at this rock bottom price. So what does that mean? To, to us, it does mean that you're going to see a drop in Sapili prices, but it also means buyer beware. If you find a significantly cheaper Sapili price, you probably want to take a look at that stuff before you jump into it. And if you don't have a moisture meter, you might want to get one because who knows what you could be buying. And it doesn't mean that it's all bad. It may be that your local supplier has just dropped their price to try to compete and they still have good stuff. Um, it's, it's unfortunate because the margins on lumber are so thin to begin with, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. At the same time, you can expect the pendulum to swing the other way. Um, how long that will be, I'm not exactly sure. It could be a year, could be three months uh, before it swings and suddenly Sapili climbs in price dramatically because there's basically the, com- the, the, the volume has been bought up and it's hit the market all at once and there's nothing new coming in behind it. So there, there could be could be some interesting stuff and it could really throw the entire African hardwood market for a loop and who knows what's going to happen over the the coming years. So there you go. Some greedy corporate broker came in and screwed it all up. What a jerk. What a jerk. So what you're saying is I should buy a bunch of it, dry it and sit on it until the prices go way up to the roof again and then sell. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Buy yeah, low, sell high. But what you're going to find is going to be it's going to be difficult to buy. You may end up with a lot of scant. You may end up with a lot of narrow, a lot of short, um, a lot of below grade type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. not going to net a He's very good price, that. even when it's dried properly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's just no quality control whatsoever. Um, so you really have no idea what you're buying. And for the most part, these guys tend to sell. You know, you can't you can't just go and buy a hundred board feet from them. It's buy the container, twenty thousand board feet or nothing. Yeah, so I'll go halvesies. Your Sanford and Son Yard can't handle a container. Who wants to go halvesies? I'm going halvesies. I'll go with you. Let's do I it. I can I can get a container in here, no problem. I got rid of my logs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no problem. No problem. Yeah. He's got this. Yeah. It'll be fine. All right, let's get to our email. <laughs> First one here is from Andy. He says, I have a small garage shop with 220-volt outlet with one 220-volt outlet that's used to power multiple tools, including my jointer bandsaw and table saw. Currently, I'm rolling each tool close enough to the outlet in order to plug it in. What are your thoughts on making a 220 extension cord? It would provide me some more clearance from the garage walls and limit some of my never-ending battle with tool placement in the garage space. Thanks. So all I can say, yeah, I'm not an electrician on this, but all I can say is I've done this. And I think as long as you use uh, material that is rated properly for the amperage and a load that's going to be on there, you'll be fine. Um, so I will go to Home Depot or Lowe's and just get uh, the have that big old spool thing that spins around and you can get a whatever length you want of a flexible extension cord type material and buy the ends. So you have a uh, receptacle on one end and the plug on the other end. Just make sure you're also getting plugs that are rated properly uh, for whatever it is the type of line that you're actually running. So I think it's uh, 30. If it's a 30 amp 220 line, you're going to want uh, 10 gauge and then 12 gauge for a uh, 20 amp. And if you follow that guideline, you should be well within uh, any kind of safety restrictions that there might be for running an extension cord there. You shouldn't have any issues with it, at least to my knowledge. So if anybody wants to correct me on that, please do. But I've done this for years and it works just fine. But making your own is definitely the way to go. I did the same thing when I got my planer. I just made a, well, in my case, I actually rewired the the tool, but I made an extension cord and then hardwired it into the machine. I did the same thing. I, you know, just went, to the internet and said, what, you know, what size, um, gauge, you know, cable do I need? And all mm-hmm. the fun little attachments and yeah, it was good. No problems. Yep. Got Brian. my sawmill on extension cord. So, oh, you do? That nice. as well. <laughs> and that hasn't caught on fire. So it's fine. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Don't worry it's about it. It's outside. So no big deal. It's true. It's fine. If it catches on fire, it's outside the house. It's yeah, right. it's a, there's a fire extinguisher somewhere nearby. Yeah. I mean, as long as like container Sapili isn't anywhere near it, Right. should be all right. Yeah, that's your kid's like college fund <laughs> investment right there. So. You know, Sapili's got a pretty good fire rating, too, so you should be all right. But, well, if it's not dry yet either, it shouldn't, shouldn't really burn that well. Yeah, good point. So, It'll just smolder a little bit. Good point. Maybe you can charge more for it now since it's not dried properly. <laughs> smoked Sapili. It's, it's, ooh. <laughs> that sounds good, right? Love me some smoked Sapili. <laughs> uh. <laughs> With Munster cheese. Oh, Yum. man. All right, looks like I got the next one here. This one here is from Nick over on Patreon. Oh, this is a long one. By long one, long by my standards. Okay. Nobody I'm not even going to go for it. I'm <laughs> not even. Listen. Nope. Just now. Yeah. Wow. I'm I'm going to stay mature on this one. That's what okay. she said. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead. There's, I'm feeling like there's a little. We're swinging the pendulum a little, a little too far to the professionalism side on this one. You know. <laughs> okay. Getting too close to being too professional. We'll I work think. on that. We'll work on it. Um, you know, t- 
take notes. Okay. Okay. All right. So this is from Nick. It says, when using a chainsaw mill, what is your feeling on the importance of using a ripping chain versus a standard one? I got a ripping chain from Bailey's, not a sponsor, for my steel, not a sponsored chainsaw. For use of my Alaskan, not a sponsor. I only recently realized this was a trademark mill. <laughs> from my research, it seems like ripping chains are not anti-kickback, but it seems like this would be less of an issue with the saw captured by the mill frame. So as long as you use enough wedges to keep the curve from getting pinched, should I just go the safe route and build my own giant bandsaw mill? P.S. If you know of any sponsors, please send them my way. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's, Nick's looking for sponsors. Uh, I'm not sharing my sponsors. They're mine. <laughs> you can sell it on your own time. Okay. <laughs> So the difference between the ripping chain and the standard chain is just the angle that the tooth is ground to. So a standard crosscut chain on your chainsaw is going to be around 30 degrees, and the ripping chain is going to be somewhere 10 degrees or maybe even a little bit less than that, depending on who you talk to. And the really the difference there is the wear, life, and the smoothness of cut. So when you're using a chainsaw mill, you're fighting a pretty much a losing battle using a really low-powered saw, you know, all things considered, taking a pretty large curve. And all that wear gets right on the tip of that tooth. So the shallower the angle, the longer the tooth will last as far as sharpness goes, the longer you can cut for on a single sharpening. And it's like a side benefit of it is the cut is a little bit smoother. Can you cut with a standard chain? Absolutely. Can you not make it as far? Absolutely not. You cannot make it nearly as far with that standard chain as you can with a ripping chain. That being said, it doesn't really have anything to do with the anti-kickback. The standard, I guess, homeowner saw type chains have anti-kickback features so they have like these things that prevent you from taking too deep of a cut essentially it's like a secondary raker kind of thing but i haven't even used those since i use an electric chainsaw all my saws are not safe chains or whatever like the normal dangerous ones that are so deadly living on the edge they're living on the edge but yeah i mean you're right though when you're talking about being mounted in the mill it can't go anywhere so there really isn't a kickback issue either, especially most of the time with the chainsaw. When you're getting a kickback, it's going to be when you are burying the top half of the tip into a piece of wood. The directionality of the rotation of the chain causes the whole saw to be thrown back at you, but you're not using the tip of the chainsaw bar when you're milling anyway. So kickback is pretty uneventful, uneventful, un- un- impossible. Wow, there we go. So, <laughs> wow. Me but, fail English? That's oh, impossible. And... The last thing I'll say is Nick, I believe, posted a picture of the logs he's planning to mill on Facebook. I saw it somewhere, and they're pretty small, so I wouldn't even bother getting a ripping chain. If you already have a chain that's normal or whatever, just go with that because the logs you're cutting, they're like less than 10 inches looking. Like they're tiny. Mm-hmm. So just, you'll be fine. Just wow. go cut them. Matt, you Matt's cut throwing bigger. shade, man. Are you oh. going to take that? Mm, take those it. logs, People, they're tiny. They are tiny, though. <laughs> little tiny baby logs. Little like, baby logs. <laughs> that that answer was off the chain. Wow, off the was... chain. <laughs> cool. Wow. Get your own sponsors. <laughs> Get, your... <laughs> Get your own. Love it. Okay. This uh, this email comes from Chris, and he says, after a weekend trip to our not so local hardwood dealer, a buddy of mine picked out some purple heart and a wonderful piece of quarter saw and sapili. We decided it would make a great combination for some small jewelry boxes he was building. But it occurred to me that I've never worked with Sapili and I have no idea what the working properties are. Would you be able to describe the working properties of Sapili for me? I absolutely can. 
But I'm going to go one step further, and I'm going to unlock the keys to the kingdom of wood knowledge for you. Go to the internet <laughs> and Google Sapili Technical Properties, or go to the wood database. What is it? Wood-database.com, or just yeah. Google wood database. You'll find it, mm-hmm. and 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 look up Sapili. You'll find a bunch of technical properties there. Things like hardness, uh, crushing strength, bending strength. Uh, modulus of rupture or stiffness. Um, all of those things have numbers next to them. They're usually measured in pounds per square inch or you know, kilonewtons, all kinds of numbers that mean absolutely nothing until you compare it against a wood that you do know the working properties of. So what wood do you know? Have you worked with hard maple before? Do you know what maple's like? Have you worked with cherry, walnut, etc.? Pull up the numbers for that known species and compare it to the numbers of Sapili. And you're going to learn a lot. The things to look at are hardness, um, often listed as the Janka number, um, density as another one to look at, and um, porosity. Is it ring porous, diffuse porous, or semi-ring porous? The wood database will also tell you things like, is the grain interlocked? Is it straight grain, et cetera? Um, those are the, really the things you need to look at most and compare those numbers. Who cares what the number is? You know, even even if you know that walnut is eight ninety pounds per square inch Janka, that doesn't doesn't really tell you anything. You know, it's like when Mark counts his Honda money, it gets to the point where you know <laughs> it's, it, it means nothing to the average person. Really, so it, it, it's it's important to to take what you already know, what species you already know, and use that as your control. And compare from there. So, for instance, Sapili, I want to say, has a hardness of about 1,500. I should know this by now, but I don't. It's a little bit harder than hard maple. Um, But it's got much bigger pores. So, again, you go to the wood database, look at Sapili, and look at hard maple, and look at the ingrain pictures. You'll see that Sapili has much larger pores. Um, But Sapili has an interlocked grain structure. So, you may find that it's going to be a little bit more difficult to hand plane. It might tear out a little bit more. But you may not care. You may not be using hand planes at this point. The ribbon stripe nature you get of your quarter sawn sapili is indicative of uh, a spiral or interlock grain. But you'll find that the hardness and the working properties in many ways is actually a little bit easier than hard maple. Because look at the density number and you'll see there's a density difference between sapili and hard maple. And just looking at the pictures of the pore sizes will tell you that there's there's much less dead space in hard maple, much less space for the material to, to, to move into. So it feels a heck of a lot harder than Sapili does. Um, the other the, the other basic thing is just looking at the wood database. It'll give you some kind of paragraphs on what the working properties are. How is this tool or excuse me, how does this um, wood affect your tools? Um the only problem I will say there is most of the time they usually say there is a minor blunting effect on tools. Just about all exotics have that sentence. It's either a minor blunting or it'll say major blunting on tools if you're looking at something like Sapili or Ipe or something like that. The key is pay attention to those numbers and do a side-by-side comparison, and you'll learn a lot about how whatever that species is, and it kind of unlocks your ability to, to compare I don't care whether it's Suriname snakewood or, you know, Aphazalia or Aphromosia. Um, you can utilize those technical specs to tell you a lot as long as you have some experience with some wood somewhere. Realistically, though, does anyone, does anyone do this? Like, I get it. I understand you want to be prepared, but it isn't the best way to know the working properties of any wood to start working it. 
Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Empirical, like you, you could tell me this is always the way to go. You could tell me cherry is really easy to work, but then I put it on my workbench and I get tear out. Why? Because this particular board that I have happens to be argumentative and it's, it's creating a problem for me within this situation. Like even within a species, each individual board can be pretty unique, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. I would, even if I read that Wengi is the worst wood to work with, it dulls your tools, but I want to use Wengi. Guess what? I'm going to use it. And if it dulls yeah. my tools a little faster than so what? I mean, I, I just think just get it in there, start cutting it. In the first two cuts, you're going to know what the working properties are. And I'm glad you said that because I get emails like this all the time. And people are like, well, I want to know what it is before I buy it. And a lot of that comes down to hardwood's expensive. You know, you don't want to get stuck down a rabbit hole or more often than not, this is born out of some other bad experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy bought some Jara or some Jataba, Brazilian cherry, whatever you want to call it. And just had a nightmare of a time with it. And it's like, man, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to get burnt on it. But in this particular instance, Chris said they've already bought this appeal. So, you know, yeah. if I told you it's awful, it's terrible stuff, you don't want to work with it. What are you going to do? Take it back? I mean, I guess you could. But I actually quite enjoy working with Sapili. I find it very easy to work with. Did you so, say Jadaba? I I, this, doesn't yes, Jadaba live in the Dagobah system? It does. Okay. It does. <laughs> it's it's it about like to. 20 miles just past uh, Mos Eisley. Oh, okay. Well, I know where that is. East of Mos Eisley. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to leave us a review, we would appreciate that. Just go to iTunes. That's where people go to get podcasts still, amazingly. And look us up and uh, <laughs> click on ratings and reviews and give us a rating there. And uh, if it's a good one, we might read it on the show. You never know. Haven't done it in a while, but... Uh, have you read a... Sh- I was going to say, have you even read one in like... Well, we haven't had a I new review. How long. Yeah, I went there today to look for one. And the latest one is the one that we read last time. So I'm not... You know, we don't get a lot of reviews there. Come on, people. I think it's indicative of the fact that iTunes is dying a slow and painful death. You know, totally unrelated to woodworking, but I just heard like an announcement with, uh, what is it, iOS 11 that's on its way out, that they are going to be integrating some kind of uh, podcast stats. <laughs> I'm like, oh. it's about like eight years too late. <laughs> Come on, man. We've always wanted stats from iTunes when iTunes was a factor. And these days it's just so not a factor. It's still a good distribution mechanism for audio, uh, but certainly for video, it's kind of just like, eh, whatever. So I just read that. I'm like, seriously now. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> let me go. Uh, let me go check my feed burner stats while I'm at it. Okay. <laughs> So uh, let's see. Wow, that takes me back right there. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, aside from that, you can also get yourself a Wood Talk t-shirt at twwstore.com. And pretty soon, I gave them to my mom. They are hot off the press. Uh, we've got the little USB sticks with Wood Talk, basically all Wood Talk episodes with the exception of the last couple of weeks uh, that you guys oh can pick up and purchase I, all in one I'll place. I'll be starting my, my I update just, I just service love, soon. I just love that sentence. Pretty soon, I gave them to my mom. Yep. <laughs> Hey, I'm a mama's boy. My mom is involved in this stuff. I got mom's <laughs> approval, so soon there'll be a problem. I gave them to my mama, and she's going to send them to you. So uh, it's a great, great. Uh, it's a great relationship there. Uh, Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info, and uh, we'll get out of here. If you have comments, questions, or really want to email Shannon and tell him that the Dagobah system is not Tatooine, and if you're going to reference most <laughs> icely, choose the right planet, you dumb dude. <laughs> I recognize my error, people, but if you're watching the video feed, you'll see that I have a Spider-Man shirt on, not a Star Wars shirt. That was yesterday. So I would have gotten my Star Wars facts right yesterday. <laughs> Today, you can ask me all about the Sinister Six and various Spider-Man plot lines, and I'll be good for you. So if you want to send those in, you can send us a voicemail. Just use your handy-dandy voice memo app and send it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com 
or you can go to woodtalkshow.com slash contact and type it out in our fancy form there. Or you know what? Just go to the show page. This show right here, whatever this episode is, 403, scroll to the bottom, leave a comment and tell us all of your useless Star Wars facts that we should have known. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, we're on Instagram. (laughs) We are. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Mark is on Instagram. I am, yeah. He has control of that account. It's really just me. Anything truly offends you, you know why. (laughs) I'm good at that. Uh, Also, just want to mention, stick around for the email extra. If you are a $4 or higher patron at patreon.com slash woodtalk, you can get that extra content. We'll be answering John's question about fixed base and plunge base routers. So we will get to that in a moment. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we will catch you next time. I can't wait to talk about that. That's, yeah, you're going to sit on the side. Hey, Shannon, (laughs) go get us some coffee. <laughs> All right. Take up the system and get some coffee. Uh. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.